Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in the gorgeous Studio B. It's wonderful to be here. With the gorgeous Pastor Nick Plummer. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're excited to be here, too? Yeah, it's a little chilly. Well, welcome, everybody, to Christians with Torah. I'm excited that you're here. We are what it sounds like. We're Christians with Torah. Right? We believe that the whole Bible is relevant for today, from Genesis all the way to the maps. Did you know that there's maps in the back of your Bible? And for those of you that are watching and listening, we are excited because the Lord put it on my heart before the fall feasts, yeah, before the ending of the Torah cycle for 2021, that on Monday nights we will be studying the Gospel of Matthew. Because he's a king. Because he's a king, we are his subjects. That's right. We are his disciples. Are you a good subject? So we have to get a good word from the Lord today for all of you yeah. that are his disciples. So when he sends his disciples out, picture that's you going out. Yes. As well. Yes. I agree. Are you ready? So we're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 to 38. I'm going to let Ryan kick it off and do the intro here and just kick us off. Yeah, so great the first here. section here is Yeshua raises Jairus' daughter, right? Jairus' daughter. Now, uh, verse 18, it starts out, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Hallelujah. Wow. So he comes and he says this to she, Yeshua. My daughter's dead. Right. She died. Right. I'm here. Even now, Yeshua. she just died. Oh, my daughter's dead. Yeah. What faith this guy has, right? So what's Jesus' response? Yeshua says what to him? He arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. He said, okay, your daughter's dead. Let's take me to her. So this Let's is interesting. Go. So This is powerful. So his faith told him if he just would lay his hand on her, Right. If you would just, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live, that she would live. So even though he, she was already dead, he believed that if Jesus would and come his daughter. and lay his hands on her, my daughter, that boy, she would what live. What would you do for your daughter? Gotcha. So let's get some details here. Mark and Luke say that this man's name was Jairus. You can find the references for that in Mark 5.22 and in Luke 8.41. Now, as a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus was responsible for administration, looking after the building, supervising worship, running the school on weekdays, and finding rabbis to teach on the Sabbath. So he had the keys like, hey, if these rabbis wanted to make it. He was a facilitator. Yeah, I facilitate on Monday nights. Yeah. Praise God. That's part of it. It is. It is. I facilitate. But you don't have to take care of the building. No, I don't. That's you, G. That's your. We were just talking about that. Putting no, toilet uh, paper in the stalls. Well, that's just uh, picking up trash. Easy stuff. Yeah. So though Jairus was a ruler and a man of considerable influence, he knelt before Yeshua, the appropriate position to take before God. When Jairus said, "She shall live," this was evidence of his deep faith in Yeshua, even in the face of death. It says that he came and worshipped him, so he had to recognize him. There's a way of giving someone respect and honor, yeah. but it says that this guy worshipped him. Yeah. So, But here's what's cool. We have two stories that get mashed together, right? 
There's two stories here that they collide. Because when Yeshua is doing the work, right, he has the power. You know what I mean? It's not just one thing happening, right? There's things happening all the time. So he's on his way now. Here's what it says. It says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And you can find this is verses 20 and 21 in chapter 9. So she was unclean. So he's, he's with Jairus and his disciples, and he's walking his way through the crowd to get to Jairus' home to go and lay his hand on Jairus' daughter. And in that time, boom, some lady he's sees doing, him. He's doing something else. And takes her, her opportunity. So it says he's, the, in the, he's in the northern kingdom. He's up there in the Galilee region yeah. doing all this. So it says the woman's hemorrhaging would have made her ceremonially unclean, which would have excluded her from normal social and religious relations. So she was ostracized, right? Oh, yeah. People knew, I mean, for 12 years she had an issue of blood, and that was one of those Everything things. She sat on would be unclean. Everything. So she had to be real careful. She, well, she, and people had to be careful around her, so they probably, you know, ostracized her. So right? think about it. So she never really had her, her menstrual cycle normal. No, she was bleeding all the time, I guess. To some degree. Right, I guess. I says the woman with an issue of blood. Wow. So um, so she touches the hem of his garment, and the word hem here in the Greek is uh, the Greek 2899, and is the word kraspidon. And it means border, fringe, or tassel. Now the woman was grabbing Yeshua's fringes, which, you know, scholars basically all agree that this would have been his zitzit, right? The tassels. I don't know if you can see, you know, I got mine tucked in, but, you know, the, the tassels on the edge of his garment. And uh, and the, the tzitzit are located on the four corners of the garment, as is prescribed in Numbers 15, 37 through 41, right? And so Yeshua wore tzitzit, right? Because she's grabbing onto them, and he was obviously a religious is Jew you pronounce it? in Judea. Kraspadon. I can hear this guy's voice now. This is the Blue Letter Bible guy. Yeah, who does the the Greek and Hebrew words? Strong's G twenty eight ninety nine, Sounds like a like a like a creature. Like it's the Leviathan. Blue Letter Bible app. You can get it on your phone. It's really good. Oh man, what a great resource that is! It is excellent. Yeah, if anybody knows anybody from the Blue Letter Bible and wants to like the Blue Letter Bible wants to sponsor us, I think that'd be fantastic. Since we like, we will support Blue Letter Bible. Always repping them. So, uh, so okay, so she reaches out, she believes, right? What did Yeshua say to the woman when she touched him? So he, she grabbed his zitzis. She did. Which is found in Numbers 15, 37 through 41. The commandment to wear zitzit is found there, yes. Did you read that? I, I did not read those verses, but I read that whole thing. Okay, cool. So anyway, yeah, so that's interesting. You know, there's no really word for zitzits, so they put him. Right. But that's what she was doing. Yeah. You know, she was grabbing his easy because there'd be healing in his wings. Those are considered wings, too. So that's yeah. another prophecy we can look at right. later. In but, Isaiah, yeah. Well, he, he looked at this woman who, who grabbed him, who had the issue of blood for 12 years. Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had, hath made thee whole. Mm. So this is a theme we're going to see. So he, again, we're in, faith. we're in the story of, uh, the story of Jairus. Jairus' right? daughter, yeah. And we're working our way through the crowd. He heals a woman on his way to heal somebody else. He's just like, zap, zap, zap. I'm telling you, that's so cool. But he, but he says, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith, right? 
By faith. By faith. She believed. By faith. And it says in verse 22b, which is the second half of that verse, it says, And the woman was made whole from that hour. So for 12 years, right? She stopped bleeding. She's ostracized because nobody wants to be around her because she's unclean and that she would cause them to be unclean. And from that very hour, she was made whole. How cool is that? I think it might be raining or something. Or that's leaves blowing on the roof. Yeah, that's what that is. Now, we've been going over this word in the Greek for like the last four weeks, right? It's the word faith. It's Greek 4102 and is the word pistis. Pistis, that's right. And it comes from the Greek 3982 and it means persuasion, i.e. credence, moral conviction, of religious truth or the truthfulness of God or of a a religious teacher and especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. So it means persuasion. So Mm -hmm. here's the interesting thing, Ryan. I'm persuaded. You can have faith in people and then they can blow it. Hey, I really like this politician. I was persuaded. Yeah. But then I lost faith in him Mm -hmm. because of this. Right. Or her. So so just like it's been brought out, you can have faith in the government. Right. Faith in science. You know, you're persuaded, you know. Sure. Sure. You have faith in a lot of things that maybe aren't even true, but you were persuaded. Now, that's interesting because um, if you look at this prophecy in Genesis, when we talk about persuasion, uh, if we go to Noah... I thought that this was very, very interesting. Very, very interesting, uh, to say the least. There's this prophecy, and it's right here. Let's see. Here we go. Basically, it says this, Ryan. So we're talking about persuasion. See, people believe in a lot of things, but she really believed if she could only touch him, she would be healed. Amen. What a great source. Now, I'm only bringing this up because right now, what are we believing for? What are we believing in, Ryan? It says right here in Genesis 9:27, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, we know we got the Ashkenazi Jews up in Europe, but Japheth would be those Gentiles. Then, of course, uh, you know that Shem is the Middle East, and, of course, Canaan shall be his servant. So, basically, it says that God shall enlarge Japheth. Now, if you look at this in the Hebrew, Ryan, this is what blew me away. He's going to persuade Japheth to go into the tent of Shem. Huh. Drawn to the Jewish people. Interesting. Persuaded. Come be with Shem. To Israel, right? yeah. So, so I, I just think that's interesting in the times in which we live. That, that's why we need to be persuaded by the promises of God. Yeah, and I, I think that... Um, that is so awesome. I think that... Persuaded us to be with the Jewish people. The, to have uh, them here. I think that the New Testament would agree with you. See, the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith, pistis, right, is the substance or the confidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, this word faith will be different. No, this is the same it's word. It's Greek. Oh, it well, is? Well, okay, so you were talking about the Hebrew, but pistis is the, is the Greek oh, word. Oh, where's that at in Hebrews? Hebrews 11.1, 1, right here. Let's see here. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. It's, it's the word it's pistis. Greek. Right. 4102. 4102. Boom. 
Gotcha. Look at that. And then here's your... Oh, no- cool. There you go. Yeah, Here's right. another one, Romans 10, 17. So then faith, pistis, cometh yeah. by hearing. And what's the Romans verse? 10, 17. And hearing by the word of God. There it is. 4102. I don't have the number on that one. Oh, I can pull it for you. Don't you worry. Don't you... Just worry, little it's head. The same word. Here's the blue letter Bible. So we're persuaded. It is uh, persuasion. I mean, persuaded sounds like in in English vernacular. Persuaded sounds like somebody kind of won you over. You know what I mean? Like you had for to the be, right reasons, though. Well, if it's for the right reasons, but I would say the the connotation in English, American English, right now, persuasion. I, I don't know that I I like that connotation. But I agree with it well, in its basic meaning. So the Romans ten seventeen. hang on, I'm working on it here. It's loading, you know, it's the Wi-Fi here at the church. You know, you just never know. Um, it's coming. It's coming. I'm believing. I have pistis. <laughs> I have something. We'll wait for it. Okay, so, oh, I'll here, wait. now finally, you know, right as I'm about to give up. Isn't that just how it works? It is the word pistis. Very good. So, so you got to be persuaded. So then faith comes by hearing. And here's what's interesting about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What does that phrase mean? My Nana used to say, rat's rat and wrong don't belong to nobody. What is it? Exactly. I hear this word and I think everybody thinks they know what it means. But I think it's two separate phrases here. It's, so then faith cometh by hearing. Right? But how do you get hearing? You get your hearing by the word of God. I think, I would contend that Paul, when he's talking about faith here, is trying to tell people that you have to be in the Word of God in order to hear from God. And that's not to say that, you know, because I know there's the, the joke, right? Um, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear His voice, read it out loud, you know, or whatever. You know, people I how... Like that. I know. That was a but people version. say that to say that, that God is not speaking to people today. Well, right? that's what he says that he wants from us. In order to be above all people, right, we have to hear his voice and keep his covenant. But in order to have discernment of what we're hearing, if it's from God or not, we have to be in the Word. Right. So that's how you get you get your hearing from the Word of God, and then once you get your hearing, you get your faith because and that's you hear what, from God yeah, and it builds right. your faith. Because what what it's saying is that credence or moral conviction. Right. So God tells us what to eat, what not to eat. So we have mm. pistis. We're persuaded that's not to right. eat those things. That's right. Because God said. All right, let's do it. All right, so we're moving on to number five here. That's good stuff. So what did Yeshua say after he came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels along with some people making a noise? Wow. (laughs) Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. That's right. So he says, hey, move out of the way, okay? Because, you know, what's going on is there's the minstrels. She's sleeping. They're mourning. no big deal. Yeah. Oh, she's sleeping. No, she's dead. And we freak out. Somebody's basically somebody's playing a sad song, right? The minstrels, they're playing the saddest violin, you know, oh. quite literally here. But he, but when he said, "Move aside, she's not dead; she's only sleeping." What did right. they do to Yeshua? They laughed him to scorn. They la- They laughed in his face. Can you imagine laughing like, in Jesus' you? face? She's dead. Okay, what are you going to do? God, I feel so bad for How some of these people. How many people have even seen a dead relative? Probably a lot. Yeah. In that time period, because what was the lifespan back then? I don't yeah. know. But how haughty can we be sometimes? I mean, they to scorn him. to have the audacity to laugh in in God's face. Oh man, 
talk about finding out later on, oh, that was the son of God, and then being like, oh, I know, I can't believe I did that. I know. So, uh, it says your professional mourners were customarily hired to assist at funerals, usually including flutists, which is the minstrels, and wailing women making a commotion. Now, this is obviously not something that we would do today. Uh, that would be very strange, right? But like you've seen pr- processions in like other countries where uh, people will be carrying like a body and like a picture of the person and they'll be making like a big procession and everybody's like, oh, wailing. And, you know, that's like the whole idea of uh, sackcloth and ash. You know, today that seems very strange to us. But back then that was, that's what you did, you know? You, yeah, because maybe you have a big family or something. I don't you know. need some help. Uh, well, yeah, there's always that. But it's also, like a funeral home. Yeah, I was thinking, I said the same thing last night, you know. It's a funeral home. Yeah. The people that help others mourn, you know. Um, but these guys were making a commotion, and Yeshua's like, Let, pipe it down, all right? Yeah, stop your menstrual. She's not dead. She's not dead. So what did Yeshua do after he put the people out? So he put the people out. What did he do? Well, he went in, took her by the hand, and the maid arose. So he went in and laid his hand on her, and she rose. So Yeshua's power over death anticipates his later raising of Lazarus and his own resurrection. Now, That's I'll, a good point. never thought about that. I want to point something out. That was interesting. In the very first verse today, Jairus comes to Jesus and he says, But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. What does he do? So what does he do? He lays he his hand on her. He touches a corpse. He touches her hand. And he's, not un- she's not, he's not unclean. And she lives. Wow. Well, because he says she's not dead. Right. <laughs> so in this case, it's according to Jesus, he touched a sleeping woman. So then what went out abroad in all the land? This fame. So the news of what Jesus had done. Everybody was like, dude, the minstrels were there. They were mourning. Every, I mean, she was confirmed dead. And he came in, and then boom, she's alive. You know, that is so pleasing to me because I hate death. Ugh, yeah. Oh, death, where is thy sting? That was actually the half tour for Pastor Randy when he went to be with the Lord in Hosea. That was the reading. Oh, yeah. death, where is thy sting? But because of sin, we have death. The wages of sin is death. Right. So we should be sinning less when we acknowledge that fact. Yeah. That that's what killed Jesus was all of our sins, you know. Yeah. Because he's holy and he's righteous and he's good, you know. And so, yeah, this, this really uh, encouraged me. That God hates death. He doesn't like death. You know, matter of fact, he he told Hezekiah he was going to die, and he gave him some more time because he cried yeah. out, oh, "I don't want to die." Yeah. So he gave him more years. He did because God can do whatever He wants to do. See, people don't realize God's going to do what He's going to do. But he's sovereign. That's it. So let's jump into uh, you know because we're in chapter nine. Yes. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, as we stop and even look at all of this stuff that's going on here. I don't even know if I put it in here or not. I might have done that. I did. Look at you. I did put this in here. So I, wish, I want to reiterate something and interject something while we're doing this because Yeshua is going to heal two blind men. Uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are his teachings, Yeshua's yes. teachings. Right. Okay. Uh, and chapter five is, of course, the Beatitudes. Okay, so I'm only sharing this because this is so cool. Uh, in 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 Matthew chapter eight, there's actually uh, like 39 verses in chapter eight. Let me see here. 
no, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, let me look at it here. So Matthew, no, no, let me see here. I'm sorry. There are 34 verses. So chapters 5 through 7, he teaches. We get into chapter 8. Check this out, Ryan. Yeshua heals a leper. Yeshua heals a centurion servant. Yeshua heals Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, Yeshua cast out spirits and healed all that were sick. Mm-hmm. And then he had two guys that wanted to follow him. So he does all these things. He starts healing. And then these two people come, and they didn't quite meet the standard, basically. One of them was a disciple, too, by yeah. the way. So two wanted to follow Yeshua, and, he, and he, of course, he talks to them. They broke out of the crowd, which is, I commend them for that. Then he says, hey, guys, let's, let's go for a boat ride. <laughs> now, I'm just going back in hindsight because he taught. Then he did the work. That's right. And then he had two guys didn't quite make it, right? Yep. And then he still healed some more people, right? Yep. Now, he calms a storm and he shows his disciples their faith was little and weak. After all he taught and after all he showed them. A legal pisto. Pistis. No, a legal pisto oh. is puny faith. Oh, yeah. So, so... Now, think about it. He taught for three chapters. Yeah. Then he did some healing. Okay? Get this picture. Then he says, come on, guys. Let's get on the boat. And their faith was not where it needed to be. So then he turns around and he casts out devils. So what could maybe be holding us back but devils? I don't know. I mean. What could hold back our faith? Now, that's that's chapter 8, verses 1 through 34, remember, and, the, and, he, and he let the, the, the demons go into the pigs. Yep, yep. And that was deviled ham. They committed suicide. Suicide. So that was chapter 8. We've done chapters 9, verses 1 through 17. Yep. Now we're in, we're, we're in the thick of it. Now we're, now, now he's, now into we're the into, thick of it? He's going to heal two blind men. So there's Jairus' daughter. Boom, 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 boom. The woman healing, with Yeshua blood. Healing, healing, So what happened after Yeshua left the ruler's house? So two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. So he's into his third activity of the day. Yeah, he's just, I mean, everywhere he goes. Son of David is a reference to the promised messianic deliverer from the line of David, whose kingdom will continue forever. Yep. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. And the first of several times in Matthew that people refer to Yeshua by this title. We can find Son of David in Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 12, verse 23, chapter 15, verse 22, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, chapter 21, verse 9 and, and 15, and then, of course, chapter 22, verse 42, Son of David, Son yeah. of David, they cried ben, out to ben him. Ben David. The Messianic age was to bring healing to the blind. Why don't you read that, Ryan? Yeah, it's Isaiah 29, 18. Isaiah 29, 18. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. All right, so Isaiah 29, 18 says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. And then what about 35, 5? You know, and it goes on 19 also says, The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. So I just wanted to add that on there. Yeah. So 35.5 is, um, is the, I think, the big reference here. And it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. 
the, for the waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is, this is good stuff. Now, do you remember from last week when I was quoting, I think it was Matthew eleven five, where um, Jesus uh, was approached by the disciples of John? And I believe it's also in Luke seven twenty two. Those are the two references where they, you know, they come and say, hey, are you the coming one or are we looking for another? And Jesus says, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. But the, uh, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And we're going to get into that in like a couple weeks. Because, you know, there is the Messiah ben Yosef, the suffering Messiah, then the Messiah ben David, the conquering, victorious, ruling Messiah. Now, but you know what's interesting? I have a little interesting Coming little tip for you. Ready for this? This is, this is, might be a little controversial, but everything that's here that Jesus quoted to John's disciples is it prophesied in Isaiah, except that the dead are raised. Right. However... This is a direct quote from uh, some of the documents they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Very interesting. So, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 28 through 30. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Mm. So what did the two blind men do after they departed? They made sure people knew it. They spread abroad Yeshua's fame in all that country. It already happened when he raised Jairus' daughter from the oh, dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's his, big news. His fame. So here's the discussion point. Discuss why Yeshua told the two men not to tell anyone about their healing, and why they did. Mm-hmm. What do you got for me? Um, well, I have a couple reasons why Yeshua didn't want them to do it. Uh, I would say the first and most obvious one is he did not want to draw the attention of his enemies, right? So the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, he did not want to to you know bring undue attention because that would cause for many reasons. He did not want to draw attention to himself. Well, and also the Romans, right? He didn't want to cause an uproar. And then the Romans come and start, you know, hassling him and his disciples. So he's trying to keep the peace, right? But I would also say, you know, Josiah, your son, said this, which I thought was very profound, that that Yeshua didn't want to draw the attention to the works, right? Because people will always be drawn to the razzle-dazzle. So, like, if people hear that there's miracles happening somewhere, or some great teachers bringing, you know, uh, a dog and pony show or whatever it is, then, then the people will be attracted to that. Um, and that doesn't mean that there isn't healings and doesn't mean that there aren't works being done, right? Greater works than these, Yeshua says, that we would do in his name. But I think that, um, he didn't want to draw attention to the works. He wanted to draw people into a relationship with the father. He wanted to draw people to repentance and into faith. Uh, and the people that he healed were being rewarded because of their faith, right? Yeah. And so... But the guy, the two blind men were so excited they had to share it because yeah. I mean they, they couldn't see. Well, and, and and again, the blind men called him what? They called him son of David. So they knew that he could because of who he was. But like once the word gets out, then it's just people coming for the healing. They're not coming for the son of David. Does that make sense? Say that again. So like the the blind men that came, right, or right. Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, or the women with the right. issue of blood, they all came to him because of who he was, and they knew that because of who he was, he had the power, right? Once he's demonstrated the power and the cat's out of the bag, then the people are just coming for the healing. They're no longer coming to him. Interesting point. 
So just a thought, you know, just a thought. Mm. That's powerful. He does a lot of good things, man. I'll tell you what. All right. When you start reading it like this, it's like, boom, boom. Like you may have read the list from chapter eight. And then like now in chapter nine, it's like healing after healing after healing after healing. I mean, there's just nothing stopping. You know, I've, I've met, met with some people that have health issues and it says, go before the Lord and confess your sins and have a clean conscience and whatever you're working on, work on, set aside that sin that's going to beset you. And I said, that could bring physical healing to you. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm ready. I'm ready. So moving on. Yeshua heals a mute. Yeshua heals a mute. This is, uh, Verses 32 through 34. What happened after the two blind men were healed and they left the house? Can we go over what's been going on in this portion? So he did what? Raises Jairus' daughter. The right. one with the issue of blood. Yep. Two blind men. Two blind men. Yep. And a partridge and a pear tree. A, a mute. <laughs> a man who... Okay. They brought to him a dumb mute man possessed with a devil. Wow. So they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil, which is a mute. Yep. And so verses 33 and 34 say, And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel, but the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Man. Yeah, and that's verses 33 and 34. Now, the word devil here in the Greek is daimonion, daimonion. And it is, uh, it means evil spirits or messengers and ministers of the devil. So this is referring to anything demonic, right? So the prince of the demonic. And so the connection between spiritual evil and physical illness is clearly illustrated in this incident. It's because the, even the Pharisees knew that he was dumb because there was some sort of a devil on him, right? There was something causing so this. So sins can bring out physical ailments and disease and sickness, mm-hmm. and so can a demon, right? a spirit of infirmity. Mm-hmm. Now, the prince of the devils is Satan himself. So they're saying that Satan is the one that is giving him the ability to yeah. cast out devils. What blaspheme? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. No. And so the Pharisees... Uh, were unable to recognize that God was doing something unique in the teaching and works of Jesus. So they attributed his powers to the only existing source since they could not deny the reality of the miraculous works that Jesus had done, right? So sometimes people in, in motivated by, you know, some negative emotion, jealousy, envy, all that, will, will say things and they'll not give credit where credit is due because... They're jealous, right? So this is the word for the for the word devil. Strong G eleven forty. Daimonion. 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 Yeah. Wow. Interesting, huh? They're real. See, the more obedient you are, the closer you draw to God, the the less demons you have. Imagine never being able to speak. Imagine that. I mean, it would probably save my life. Listen, I have four children. And all of them went through a stage at some point along the way where they couldn't speak, but they had things they wanted to express, right? And when they wanted to express that, they call this the terrible twos, right? They just don't have the words that they can string together yet to express themselves. So what do they do? They throw a temper tantrum and they but scream. talking. You know? So I don't, I don't allow terrible twos. In this case, well, it's really terrible threes. You can go into the terrible in threes, my fours, and fives. But. Yeah. So in this case, this man was dumb 
you know, mute all his life. All his life. And so he comes, Yeshua. Remember uh, the father of John the Baptist was, he he wouldn't let him speak. Yeah, for like six months, right? Because he didn't Nine believe. Nine months, something like that. Yeah. Nine months? It's whatever he wants to do, right? That's right. So let's get into, uh, let's read um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Ryan. We'll read that. You want me to read it? Yeah, let's read that. Laborers of the harvest. Yeah, this this is some key scriptures. This is so important. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and, and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So once again, Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Hallelujah. You know, it's so important that we, we pray for people after the service because mm-hmm. we teach. Yes. And then we, then we pray for people. Yes. Now, the word gospel is the word evangelion, and it means a good message. So even the good news is in the Old Testament. It's good news. The word gospel, number 2098, is the word evangelion, and it means a good message. Now, the kingdom uh, is, the word is uh, Basalia. 932, and it means a realm, literally or figuratively, the territory subject to the rule of a king. So literally, we're in a realm. We're in the kingdom of God. Yeah. If we, if we, if we know that what is the kingdom of God, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. But here we have this word kingdom, Basalia, and it means a realm. Yeah. Right? And he says right here, the gospel of the kingdom has come upon you. Mm. So if we create the kingdom of God here at our church, then that's what people will get. That's why we don't want people to come in and bring something else. We don't want to offer something else. We want to offer the kingdom of God. Yes. Teaching and healing and, you know, all of that. Yep. So what two things did Yeshua notice when he saw the multitudes and was moved with compassion? He noticed that they were they fainted or that they were weary and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I, and I feel like he's he's having a vision, right? He sees all these people, the multitudes following him. And the government's bad. The church is bad at the time. And he has compassion on them. Yeah. You know, he looks, sorry that's how he looks at us. He has compassion you know, for us. Like like when he was on the cross, Father, forgive them. Yeah. They know Thank not you, what Lord. they do. I mean, really, that's, just drop the mic. I mean, that's a truth bomb. I mean, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Yeah. So the leaders have failed in their responsibility, but Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, predicted that the Messiah would shepherd his people. You want to read that? I would time. love to, actually. Micah 5, 1 through 4. I'm going to go find Micha. Micha, where are you? Micha. After Jonah. Yeah, it's here. I don't know. It's here somewhere. Boom, there it is. They're all like little and stuck together there. Five, one through four. All right. So now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old 
from uh, from of old from of old from everlasting therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall abide for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and wow. this and this oh is it 1 through 4 that's or, it yeah 1 through 4 very interesting. Of course, they're going to get into chap- chapter 5, verse 5, gets into like the Antichrist from the Assyrian. Assyrian yep, the Assyrian. Good. He's a contrast. Yeah. But wow, how cool is that, Micha? Who is like the Lord? That's what it means. So I yeah. got a Micha. Micha. My thirdborn. Uh, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Wow. So think about that. That's pretty powerful. Now, the Moses model of leadership can be found in Numbers chapter 27, verses 16 through 18, Ryan, where the Lord tells Moses to take Joshua and set him over the congregation. That's right. So we're going to go from the tribe of Levi to the tribe of Ephraim. God purposely picks Joshua to succeed Moshe. That's right. It says here, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. So that's the key verse there for the Moses model. Who may go out before them and go in before them? Who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd? And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. You know, Having the set man over the house is a good thing, but it could be a bad thing if he's not a good leader. If it's the wrong man. So discuss why there is such a need today for good moral leadership in the body of Christ, you know. Some people think that I like the Moses model myself because it works. But when you say we're going to rule by committee, it's division, discord. I don't know how you're going to how you're going to accomplish that. Yeah, there's a right way and a wrong way to do all that. I'm just saying that there's some details. Someone needs to lead. There's some you nuance, know, yeah. And have some accountability. I'm just saying right. that, like the three branches of government or whatever. Right. I mean, I can't just do what I want to do. Right, right. I got right. a board. I got leadership. Sure. You know, I got all that going on. But it all it all reflects on, okay, let, let me make the decisions and then we'll have counsel. So why is there such a need today for good moral leadership in the body of Christ? I have one basic have answer. No morals. Because there is a lack of good moral leadership in the body of Christ. There really is. Um, you know, my generation and, and after, the millennials, Gen Z, um, they, I think one of the one of the main, like if I could say there's a, a pet peeve of the generation. Other than entitlement? A character trait um, of the generation. Listen, y'all raised us, all right? So don't even go there. It's y'all's fault. So, so the, uh, the... Is, but it's a, it's a hatred of hypocrisy, right? A hatred of hypocrisy. Um, now that, you know, the information age is here and people can see, you know, what the grass looks like on the other side and all that kind of stuff, and they can, can assess their situation with the situations around them, hypocrisy is no longer an acceptable thing because, you know, there's a generation before us and even before you that says, well, this is the way it is. This is the way it's been. This is how it is. And you're just supposed to accept it. My generation is just not about that, you especially know, with hypocrisy. I like how you brought that out because I, I want to share just this one little part here. Ooh. Okay? This is what it's, I want to share. It's coming, guys. It is. Oh, yeah. He's got, he's got some wisdom coming on us. It's coming. All right. 
don't be scared. I'm, I'm a little timid. I, yeah, I saw you in one book, and now I see you moving no, to another. It's funny how, you know, I love what's Spirit happening. Spirit, lead me with the book of Judges. <laughs> the Psalms and Proverbs. I would like to say this. Mm. I would like to say this. I, I'm I'm waiting. And there's a cross-reference. With bated breath. Judges has got quite a few chapters. Okay, so <laughs> to tie it all in, I finally came to this page, which makes sense, which is so scary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's what the verse says, and it says it more than once. It says this in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Mm. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's also 17.6, I believe. You know, I, I truly believe that the body of Christ needs good moral leadership, but because we've turned everything into some neo-relativistic hellhole, we can't get there without Torah. I think that's the reason that God is bringing the Torah to relevance now, that he's giving the revelation of the Torah. Raise the bar. People have lost their way. Wow. So Genesis, I mean, not Genesis, Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So many people coming in out of Beit Tehillah. Yeah. Oh, they're having a service. Look, there's sound, there's lights. Look at the people, the comfortable chairs. Look, they're dancing, they're rejoicing. Yeah. Look at all the people. Oh, they're going to eat afterwards. But see, but where's their commitment? Yeah. Why won't they stay? Hmm. Why won't you get plugged in? That's for the Lord. To now, that's Judges 17.6, and then, of course, we have Judges 21.25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's right. That's one thing about me. I'm very decisive. I'm not indecisive. Right. And I make decisions. And so it's very important that people understand that, that I've made decisions up to this point, and I will continue to make some decisions as well. And so my thing is, we have to be decisive. We have to have a plan. You know, if, if I had a guy call me one time, and he was asking me a about, you know, about leading and different things, you know, and he had watched our website and loved the teachings and everything, loved our church. So he's asking me, he says, well, you know, I, I got a bunch of people together and I wanted to have this Bible study and start bringing some people together. And so we, you know, and, and everything. And then uh, next thing I know, the, these people kind of took it over, you know, and I realized that it was out of control and, 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 and I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I'm just, I'm calling you and asking you. Yeah. And I said, well, let me just tell you this. You have to designate facilitators in charge. Yeah, somebody has to be in charge. Yeah. Somebody has to be in charge of the meeting. Yeah. And then from there, you need an outline of what you want to accomplish and do as you come together. Right. Because if you don't, somebody else will make it up for you. That's correct. He, so he, write all, he wrote all this down. Vacuum of leadership. So like it's like in our ministries. If someone's leading the dance, you go to the dance leader. Right. The worship leader, go to the worship leader. And that person leaders. can appoint people... To do certain things, but see, but see, some people want to want to want to shy away from that. I don't want to be in charge. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. want to be the leader. Right. Well, then you're going to have chaos. Right. Lawlessness. You're going to have people coming in and taking over, especially in the Hebrew roots. Right. If you if you set it up like that, you, you'll be better off. Yeah. So he goes on to say that Yeshua states the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The word "few" is the word "oligos," and it means puny. In extent, degree, number, or duration, or value. Right. It's number 3641. So so it's like, you know, there are some laborers, but they're limited. 
we've got to be able to do more to some degree. That's the context, too. Right. Oh, you know, I'll do this, but I can't do that. Right. So, so to, to put this stuff together, because we've learned the Greek word, because normally we're doing Hebrew, right? We've learned the Greek word pistis. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had the word oligopisto, which was little faith. o ye of little faith. And, but here it is, oligos, the word kind of on its own, meaning few or, or small, right, in extent, right, degree, or number, which I think most people th- take this phrase to mean they're few in number, right? But they could also be few in value, right? Right. Maybe they're ineffective. Because you're limited. Right. You can only do so much. Right. So Yeshua pictures the world as a great spiritual harvest in need of laborers to gather it into the storehouse. And he's making this statement That's when he's, he's looking out at the people, lamenting the fact that they're like sheep without a shepherd, that they're weary. In his compassion, he's making this statement, right? And he says this phrase about the harvest as he's looking out over these people, having compassion on them, looking at them with love and saying, they need a shepherd. The sheep need a shepherd. What does it say? The uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil? It says he's the good shepherd. You know, it's interesting, like, some somebody said they were a minister. The only regret they had was running after all the sheep that didn't want to be here. Mm. And how much time was wasted. You know, it's it's funny when people say stuff like that. Because, you know, Yeshua says that the man leaves the 99, right? The shepherd leaves the 99 to go get the one, right? But then right. his this guy's regret is that he went after the one. I don't know. Well, no, what I'm saying is that that, that wasn't the one. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the one. No, but what I'm saying is that... Maybe it was a wolf you know, in sheep's like, clothing. It's like, it's like the Lord was telling me, don't go to the critics. Let them yeah. come to you. We don't yeah. have time for critics. Yeah. We don't have time to be critical. You don't go after a hyena. You know what I mean? You're glad when the hyena leaves. Joker. <laughs> All right, so we've come to that time. I'll let you go first. Where we want to know I'm what, still what over. two points can be learned from Matthew 18 through 38. And so have? my first point is this. Yeshua healed people according to their faith, right? And I think this was, uh, Lisa brought this one up in our group. But it was a good point because you look at the centurion, And he says, I'm a man of authority and I have men and, you know, I tell them to go and they go. I know you have the ability to just say the word and my servant will be healed. So what did Jesus do? He said the word and the servant was healed. You with me so far? Wow. Yeah, that's... So according to the centurion's faith... Which was the greatest he's ever seen. What he believed Jesus was capable of, Jesus did it. The man, Jairus, right, the leader of the synagogue, comes to, to Yeshua and says, Hey, my daughter, even now, she's dead. She's dead. She's dead. She's dead, man. If you would just lay your hand on her, she would live. So wow. what did Jesus do? He went, just, yeah. laid his hand on her, wow. and she was healed. Right? Wow. Son of David, if you could make us see, yeah. right? Then they see. All of these things, right? All these little things, these instances, it was according to their faith. I believe the person. So whatever they requested, Jesus gave it to them, right? So then the question for us is how big is our faith? How big do we see Yeshua? How capable do we, we see him? For? Do we believe he can snap his fingers and heal? What are we believing for? This is why the word is so important, Ryan, because if we know the prophecies, that's how we should be praying. Right. He said he's going to make the two sticks one. Right. You know, he said he's going to gather the outcasts of Israel. Amen. 
So, so that's I believe that when we say Beit Hillel Israel, it takes pistis. That's right, pistis. I, that. I have my second point. My second point is that Yeshua did not want to draw people to himself because Yeshua, as his mission to come here and be an example for us, was showing us we do not receive God's glory, God forbid, even if we have ways of healing people and things like that, right? That God has, has through his power, healed people, and we got to be a, a participant or a witness to it. God gets the glory, and he will not share his glory with another. Amen. And so Yeshua was demonstrating that when he would point people back to the Father, he did not want people to be drawn to him and to the healing. He wanted to draw people to God himself. That's good. It is. That's very good. So uh, my, my two things, uh, good teaching should bring a demonstration. Hmm. Hmm. So good teaching should bring a demonstration. You know, like somebody didn't feel well last Monday came to the floor and they sat down i said let's pray you know that's right and so just prayed over her but uh that's a demonstration because we have prayer on mondays from 10 to 12 but that was actually a demonstration that's why we need to really think about that because i just say all right i'll pray for you why not now yeah pray right now that's what lord he showed me that some years ago so good teaching should bring a demonstration number two great faith can bring great results wow i like that one great i'm gonna write that one down great faith brings great results i need a lot of faith right now because I want results. I want results. I want closure. That's what I want. Remember, if you're not getting... So this is me and Josiah were having this conversation because Josiah has been to healing school and things like that, right? Yeah. And so the conventional wisdom within you know circles in Christianity for healing, especially within Pentecostal circles, is everybody can be healed, right? And so there's a couple things that would hold somebody back from healing, right? Uh, one of those would be sin, right? Yeah. One of those would be unforgiveness, right? right. And then uh, one of those would be that uh, the time for God to be glorified in that healing has not arrived, right? So those would be kind of the three main things there. Um, the only example that I can personally think of where God did not heal somebody that was a believer uh, and was coming in faith to be healed was Paul and his thorn in the flesh because God refused to heal him and said, my, my grace, grace is, is sufficient, sufficient for you. you. Um, but I'm going to go on all the other examples. Actually, uh, Paul left one of his people sick. Interesting. One of his letters. Yeah. yeah so he, he left somebody sick. So, but with all that in mind, right, you know, there's the example where uh, they asked Yeshua just in the, what, in the last week or whatever, hey, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, none sinned. But that the but that the glory of God right would be manifest. Um, this man has been you know sick or healed and finally healed. It says right here uh, in Second Timothy. Maybe it takes time to heal, but Second Timothy four twenty. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Huh. Interesting. So he probably prayed for him. But he hadn't recovered yet. Yeah. But he said, hey, I left him sick. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see those those realities, you know, um, and all the different ideas that people have. I always revert back to the sovereignty of God, right? Um, what if God's answer is my grace is sufficient for you? Or if when it's your time to go, it's your time to go, you know? Interesting. You know, of course, what happened, you know, Yeshua touches Peter's mother-in-law. But she had a if, fever. if you're looking for a breakthrough from God... 
Is there any sin in your life that needs to be dealt with, right? Is it possible that God is allowing this until you get the, the two by four out of your eye, right? Right. Is there any unforgiveness? Are you dealing with unforgiveness? Are you in a position where you're harboring ill will or unforgiveness? Right. Uh, and are you glorifying God, right? I mean, are you glorifying God? And I think that those are the things that you want to look at, whether it's healing or any other breakthrough in life, financially, whatever. And glorifying God, you can never go wrong with glorifying God. Always glorify God, you know, and stand on his promises and call him on it, you doesn't, know. Doesn't it say you're not to judge the world? Right. You know what else redeemed? it says? You know what else it says? It says in what? But we judge the world in, all the time. In First Chronicles, I think it says, um, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and then here's the kicker, turn from their wicked ways, right? It's all about his people. I will hear, hear from heaven and I'll hear his the His peeps. His peeps. So why don't you pray us out? Father, we just want to thank you for this word. We are your disciples. Thank you, Father, that Yeshua demonstrated great teachings. And then he, uh, of course, did these teachings and he demonstrated uh, healing by praying for people and they were healed. So I pray that for this congregation, for all those that are watching and listening, that even miracles can happen because we have authority, Father. So I just pray right um, now, Father, for healing for anyone watching or listening or hearing what this, this podcast or this YouTube uh, video or whatever mode they're watching or listening. Father, I just pray healing over them right now. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and Father, we think there's a healer in the house. His name is Yeshua. We come against this pandemic, this COVID-19 and any kind of variance. Father, right now, we come against the spirit of infirmity that will leave our bodies, that we would be obedient unto health and to, mm. and, and to well-being. And Father, we just thank you for this in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 I'm believing, man. People can get it into their ears, right? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And that according to their faith, their body will be healed. Amen. 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 All right, guys. What an awesome little section we got to read here. You know, what it would have, it would have been really cool to follow Yeshua around, be a disciple. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Like, Christians asked me several times, my oldest son, my oldest child, my son, has asked me several times, you know, if you had could go at any time in history, when would it be? And it's like easy, always, boom, right to oh, yeah. the feet of Yeshua. You know? When he turned 30. Yeah. And then maybe yeah. I could come back home, you know, right before the whole crucifixion you know, I, thing I goes think down. That there'll be like heavenly flicks, and we'll get to watch all this. Oh, man, I bet. How awesome would that be? That's going to be cool. Here's the real story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, make sure you guys share this, like it, subscribe. If you made it this far, come on, help us out here. You know, send the message Do something. Out. Do something. Respond to the stimulus. That's right. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.